Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelins and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Tonight we have a three-time guest with us. This tennis reporter, writer, and MC is fresh off covering the ATP Finals in London. Please welcome back to the pod, Blair Henley. Blair, thanks again for uh, spending some time on the podcast with me. I'm the one who should feel honored. Let's be honest here. You do such an amazing job. And um, for the listeners who want to learn more about Blair, um, you could look um, at episode 12 of mine, which we kind of went into Blair's um, playing career and then also how Blair got into um, writing and reporting on tennis. And then we also had Blair, uh, you could find it on episode 19. Blair had done a Labor Cup recap with me in my hometown right after it was in Chicago. So that's obviously a little over a year ago, but always good to have her on. And fresh off cover in London, we're going to dive into to, uh, you know multiple events that happened during that tournament. But before we get into that, um, first things off the top of your head, couple quick hitters that that you know you you really enjoyed and thought really stood out for you. Well, looking back at the ATP Finals, I feel like the the result was with all tournament organizers. Aside from a better victory, I think it, it had a little bit of everything, and I imagine that the tournament was very pleased with the way things wrapped up. You had the race for number one, which Roger Federer was able to clinch for Rafa Nadal, which was poetic and beautiful in itself. You had the younger guys come through and play great tennis on the team with a breakthrough week uh, to finish off his season. And, of course, uh, Steph Sissipas, who I think, I don't know if you could say he surprised himself. Um, I think he definitely surprised uh, some onlookers for sure, some fans and, and some pundits. But it was a whole lot of fun to watch him play. And the exuberance with which he approached that week was really refreshing and fun to kind of be in the presence of that. So there was a, there were a lot of storylines going in, and I think you got a really great story at the end. The 21-year-old who last year won the next-gen finals in Milan is then winning the ATP finals in London. So it was kind of a great story in that way as well. Yeah, so crazy. Um, I want to talk about the big three. And you had the unique opportunity. I think you were on... I don't know if a cruise boat is the right way to put it, but um, you're on a boat with all these guys, and we saw some things through social media. You, you, when you see Fed, Rafa, and Novak interact, I mean that's just golden. Because again, I don't know if we're ever going to see three people like this in this in in, in this sport um, do what they've already accomplished. What was your vantage point just kind of talking with them and, and seeing, even even being like a bystander and just watching them interact with each other? How cool is that? I mean, I, I would be lying if I said it was not cool to be on a boat with the top eight tennis players on the men's side in the world. Uh, BBC Breakfast got a whole lot of that great content. They had all eight at one point at this one little table on the boat. Uh, so they got some great content with all those players kind of conversing with each other and going back and forth and a little bit of banter. Uh, so that was fun to, to watch them do their thing. But they're, I guess when you look at it, I feel like Roger, Rafa, and Novak just have kind of an understanding of, of the fact that to a lot of the world who does not follow tennis closely, they are men's tennis. 
And I think they take that responsibility very seriously to promote the game. Um, and a lot of that is, you know, people love to see them interact. And so, again, I think there's an understanding there. They've all played Labor Cup together, which has, we've seen, has been kind of an icebreaker for a lot of uh, tennis relationships on the men's side. Uh, so, again, I, I think that they, that they obviously get that. And it was very fun to be in, in their presence for that unusual media day on the boat so cool for us to kind of see i I, you know again i'm sure you're sitting there on the side kind of pinching yourself like is this really happening and how cool is this for uh you know something like you to experience it that's so so cool um it was it was cool yeah I don't want to, because I want to be careful when I say this, because I think people say this all the time, but the changing of the guard. And when you look at three of the four semifinalists, um, three of the four were not the big three. You had Dominique Team, Sasha Zverev, and Stefano Tsitsipas. Now, of the big three, the only one that was in there was this 38-year-old. 38 and um, he had a really good year. He really did. I know he didn't win a Grand Slam, but just to kind of talk about how the margins are so, so small um, between having a good year and an amazing year, literally, he was one swing away at winning Wimbledon. And then if you remember, in Indian Wells, he was a few points away from breaking Dominique team and then serving for the match. And you know Roger won in Miami. So those two matches right there, if he gets through, if he gets through those two matches, we're now talking about him having an unbelievable year. Yep. Very, very close to being, uh, you know, for Roger standards, one of the best. And, you know, when we, again, it's easy to look at his year and say, oh, man, those might have been his last chances. But like you said, if he's there on a consistent basis, if he's putting himself in those situations on a regular basis, who's to say we couldn't see that again next year? And maybe that one swing away goes his way and he's hoisting the Wimbledon Trophy once again. You just tennis is such a crazy sport, and I think we we tend to think there are foregone conclusions sometimes when you look at, for instance, the way that Novak Djokovic has has played in in spurts over the past two or three years. You think, oh gosh, the guy can't lose, but they're not robots. They, you know, he has the elbow that bothered him. He had some issues off the court, so you just never really know how things are going to play out and. That's why I think it's so exciting, right? Oh, it's so, so cool. Uh, I, I do want to mention Dominique Team because if you look at the groups when the tournament was set up, he happened to be in Roger Federer's group uh, along with Novak Djokovic's group. And uh, when generally you're in that group, as someone tweeted, and we'll protect the innocent here, someone basically said, Team's tournament has ended before it even started. And um, he proved everybody wrong because he beat both Roger and Novak. Um, incredible week for Dominic Young. I mean, he was a tiebreaker away from, from winning the whole tournament. Great week for him. And, and the crazy thing is he was, he was sick for a good portion of it. Um, uh, some sort of cold, uh, we were told. But, yeah, not feeling well. So the fact that he was able to do what he did uh, a little bit under the weather is pretty darn impressive. But the thing that I love the most about Dominic Team's week is, again, I don't, and I don't know if this is something in my head. When I watch him play, sometimes I just feel like he maybe doesn't necessarily think he belongs with those big three players of right now, Roger, Rafa, and Novak. And I got a distinct sense in London that he felt like he belonged and he expected 
destined to win. And there was just a little bit of showmanship, too. There was one point where he kind of, you know, riled up the crowd in his favor when he was playing that incredible match against Novak Djokovic. So I, I think even though he didn't walk away with the trophy, I think Dominic Team served notice in London that he is going to be one to watch. Maybe he is the one to get his hands on a Grand Slam trophy in, in 2020. Maybe he's one of the younger generation to do it. We'll see. Well, we'll get to that in a couple minutes because uh, we're going to end asking you your uh, prediction on that. I do want to um, talk about the Rafa Medvedev U.S. Open final rematch because Rafa was down 1-5 in the final set. And um, to see that from your perspective live, to see what he did to come from behind and, and you mentioned something on Twitter that you said he's got to be one of the best competitors you've ever seen in any sport and and you know I'm a yeah. Chicago guy and I grew up uh, watching Michael Jordan and I mean to me MJ sets the standard of competitiveness I, I, I'm full in agreement Rafa is absolutely in that discussion and, and conversation and he's right up there with MJ watching it from afar is incredible I can only imagine what it's like for you seeing it live. Talk a little bit about that. Well, actually, during that match, I probably during the second set, I was recording a singles preview with Jeremy Chardy, who was actually one of the doubles alternates, uh, but I was recording, he was helping us out and recording a singles preview for the big screens in the stadium, and after we finished, Jeremy kind of hung around, and we were all talking tennis. We were watching uh, Rafa and Daniil on the monitor, and he was just kind of giving us his thoughts. And, and the way that he talked about Rafa, to hear it from another player where it just was, you know, you think of the head-exploding emoji. It's like Jeremy Shard, he couldn't really even put it into words. And he said, listen, Rafa has played like expletive this week so far, but he never gives up. And the fact, he said, one of the things that he said uh, while we were watching is, listen, if he can make it through this match, those balls that he's missing by two or three inches that are going out are going to start dropping two or three inches in, and then and then we're in trouble. And it was just interesting to hear his perspective, and I actually got out to the court in time to uh, see the last probably half of the third set. And <laughs> the crowd, the energy, uh, just, I mean, the fist pump, it, it's so much fun to see in person. And uh, my friend Nick McCarville, who a lot of tennis fans know, he, he made a good point. He said that he thinks maybe some people in Rafa's camp consider it as light that we talk about him as such a great fighter because perhaps that takes away from how naturally gifted and talented and skilled a tennis player he is or downplays that. But he, he said exactly what I was thinking, which is it's just an addition to. We know that he's talented. We know that he's exceptionally gifted, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime talent. But he has that extreme level of competitiveness and that fight on top of it. And that's what makes him so dangerous no matter what the score. And Daniel Medvedev learned that the hard way. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He's incredible. Rafa's is incredible to watch. And then what he talks about, you know, in the press conference after that, he, he talked about it wasn't that, you know, that specific moment of being down 1-5 in final set that he decides to fight and come back. It's that he fights throughout his whole career and he works on that every single day. And if you kind of can go back and hear that press conference, it's such a good lesson for younger players to listen to because um, he's just so, he's incredible to listen to. He's, he's so fun to... Uh, I, I love when Rafa does that. 
that talks about that kind of thing. So Rafa tends to impress sound pretty similar from one press conference to another, but it's when he starts talking about that kind of thing and what junior players should be thinking about and his mentality on the court, that's where you really get some gems out of Rafa. And any journalist on tour will tell you it's not that easy to get those gems, but he gives them to you when you're talking about that. So it was really fun to read that transcript. For sure. So, again, we can talk about Rafa, Novak, Fed. We could talk about that for hours. But we have a Sunday final between two guys that are not the big three. They may be the big three in the future, um, but they may be part of the big three in the future. But Stefano Tsitsipas versus Dominique Team, um, pretty awesome. Comes down to 7-6 in the third set. Um, Tsitsipas gets the win. You know, they, they've played seven times already. And it's only been since 2018. These two may play uh, right? 70 times in their career before it's all said and done. I hope so. If, if they all, if they're like that, I'll sign me up. I'll take one every week, please. Uh, but yeah, no, that that match was so much fun to watch, and it seemed like at the end, Steph really just had ice in his veins in that third set tiebreak. Uh, and, and Dominic, there was one, I'm trying to remember the exact shot, but there was one, I think it was a Mitch forehand, where he kind of looked over at his camp, and that was the moment where you're like, ooh, if he loses this, he's going to remember that shot. And and Deathless just seemed to be have this calm and this cool. Even when, I mean, and, and he had his share of, of what one might call stupid mistakes uh, in that match and in that tiebreak, but he just, let them kind of roll off his back, which if you've watched him this season, that has not always been the case. Right. So I don't know I don't know if he went into London with a different mentality. I don't know if he was working on that uh, with his with his coaches, with his dad. I don't know. Uh, but it certainly looked like he had just a little bit more of a calm and a peace. Uh, the, the seas were calm when you looked at him out on the court. And listen, if he can keep that up, danger for everyone else okay so here's what i want to end with and you know you always got to be careful with this because you never want to doubt greatness but you know at, at the end of the last few years people have been saying you know okay big three they're getting older when's this year and the next gen's going to win a grand slam and you do it in the last several years and it hasn't happened Roger's 38, he's going to be 39. Everyone else is getting older as well. And these young guys are getting a year older. And their results are starting to be very, very impressive. Is 2020 the year where one of these guys get their first time Grand Slam win? Will it be Dominic Team? Will it be Sasha Zverev? I know we've been waiting for him. And again, we got to remember these guys are still so young. Will it be Daniil Medvedev? Will it be Stefanos? Or will it be someone that's not even on that list? Um, I, it's so hard to predict, but but hey, I have you on, so I got to ask you. <laughs> I wish I had my crystal ball. But, but here's what I will say. Based on how well those guys are playing and the fact that most of them have wins over one or more of the big three, Yes, I think we are going to see a first-time slam winner in 2020. But here's my caveat, is that I don't necessarily think it is going to be, I mean, it easily certainly could be Medvedev, Sissipas, or Team, or Berrettini, who knows. But I think what is going to start happening is maybe one of those players takes out Djokovic, say, 
quarterfinals of a slam. And that, you know, again, 21, 22 is still pretty young, as you said. Can they then continue on? I think that's going to be the, the tough thing is, okay, maybe you can beat one of those players, but then can you win the next round and the next round? So I think that there's the caveat that those guys being able to maybe pick off one of the big three in one great match could open the door for somebody like Roberto Batista Agut or Gail Monfils or John Isner or one of those guys to kind of slide on through because maybe they play a great match the next round and those guys are still feeling a high from taking out one of the big three. Who knows? But right. I think that it would definitely shake up the results for 2020 because I think that it's not, again, it's you go into those matches thinking, oh, 50-50, and Dominic team now has a 5-2 and two record against Roger Federer. I know, that's crazy. That is crazy. When you start seeing those records kind of creeping up and you have the belief that, hey, I did it once, why not do it again? I think things are going to be shaken up in 2020. And whether it's one of those three or four guys, uh, one of the young guys that was in London, or they open the door for a total wild card, now, that is what I would love to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, you're on record here. I know I'm going to see you. I know I'm going to talk to you, and I know I'm going to see you uh, in Delray way before the end of 2020. But we'll do this again at the end of 2020, if you don't mind, and we'll see uh, if your prediction stands, stands true. I think 2020 is the year that uh, it will pop for one of these guys, and whether it's your reasoning or, or some other reason, uh, this could be the year, but again, uh, caution, proceed. You have to pick one of those guys, David. My um, pick, I, I mean, Daniil Medvedev, I guess I'll go with. Um, All right. I guess I'll go with Daniil Medvedev. All right, Medvedev. I'm going to go with that. If I have to pick, if I have to pick one, that's just the pass. Okay. Go All on. right. All right, we'll see where we are at the uh, this time next year. So, <laughs> hey, I know you've been traveling. I know you want to uh, get back to uh, being a being a mom and seeing those uh, those two daughters of yours. Um, I just want to thank you again for spending time. Um, so cool that you're that you're able to do this. And uh, for those that want to follow you on social media, check Blair out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, Blair, you share some really cool tennis experiences with, with all of us and, and thanks again for doing this my pleasure as always cannot wait for I don't know what do they call it in baseball they call it the golden sombrero where you get what is it three four straight strikeouts oh. is that what it is <laughs> uh, yeah so that we're, we'll go from the hat trick to the golden golden sombrero for the next pack. sounds good to me thanks Blair <laughs> thanks a lot bye so there you have it. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Blair Henley. She is so good at what she does. And as always, stay tuned for another guest on Courtside with Beal and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, where you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or on Google Podcasts. Thank you.